Well, good morning, church. Welcome. How has your week been? How has your week been? What have you been up to this week? What's been on your mind? What's been going on in the world around you? Unless you have avoided the news or social media, talking to other people, you could not have got through this last week without being confronted with the reality of the world that we live in with racism. It's not that long ago, only just over a week ago now, George Floyd in America was murdered by a police officer in the street while being filmed while he was crying for his life. And since then, it's like the world has woken up or maybe the white world has woken up and we have realized again and maybe a bit deeper the world that we're living in and the injustices that are around us. Before I really get into the sermon, let me say, because I've said it in a few places, but I've not had the opportunity to say it on a Sunday morning, this is an outrage. Just not this incident alone is an outrage, but the fact that this is one of many incidents like this. And it's not like we can even look across the pond and go, look at America. It has brought a much greater awareness to the fact that racial injustice takes place all around our world, in our country, in our organisations, in our institutions, in the church. And it's a tragic reality. It's a tragic reality, especially for those who are mostly impacted by it. Even people within our own church whose stories I've started to hear this week and have literally made me cry. Let me say, my hope and my sincere prayer is that globally and in our country we are on the verge of significant change. And that we will see a massive step forward. That is my hope and my prayer. And I will commit myself to play my part in that. But I'm a very small part in this country. But I can speak for our church, which is I am determined to make sure that this is a significant step forward for the Oak Community Church in how aware we are of this problem, how we speak against racism, how we seek to remove bias from within our own church and how we seek to raise up people who are not white And make sure that we don't live in a world or in a church where there is a white privilege that leaves others left behind. But where every single person can be everything they're meant to be in Christ. And fulfill everything they have in their potential in the church, in the workplace, in the family, in the society that we live in. Well today really isn't a preach about racial injustice. It was never planned to be. But it could be. And definitely, if that is what is on your heart and your struggles right now, then you could take great application to this because I want us to think about how easy it is to feel like we want to give up. Do you ever feel like you want to give up? And I, I, I realise that with this incident being one of many, after so many years of lack of progress, it can feel like, is this fight against racism, are we ever going to get there? Is the world ever going to change? Should we give up? And this feeling of giving up, this feeling of a long battle is familiar in plenty of other circles as well. Just think about these things that may well happen in your life. 
If you are a parent, and I've been through parenting from babies now to all our children being in their 20s, there are definitely moments where you feel like giving up, where you feel like, is this child ever going to stop crying? Am I ever going to be the parent that I need to be? Am I doing the right thing? As children learn and make mistakes and we make mistakes and we lose our temper or we don't parent them well, we can get moments of feeling like, am I good enough? Can I keep doing this? Through the teenage years where we're re-establishing new relationships and trying to help our younger people become adults while still trying to be the parent, there are definite moments where parents feel like giving up. Just the long haul is like, I've, have I got the strength left in me to keep going? Maybe you have moments where you just feel like giving up with yourself. The same struggles, the same mistakes repeated again and again. The same habits, the same sins that have been repented of and then we fall into them again. Do you ever feel like giving up? If you're fighting a chronic long-term illness that is with you every day of the week, every day of the year, do you feel like giving up? I just can't keep going. I can't keep with the strength to keep going. Maybe in a relationship that you're in, where the same argument keeps coming up, the same pitfall in the relationship keeps returning, and you can feel like, are we ever going to get there? And people at times in relationships feel like, should we just give up? Maybe you've been trying to reach someone for Jesus. You've been doing everything you can to not be too hard sell about it, but to give the gospel, to take every opportunity. And it feels like it's going backwards. And you're like, is there any point? Am I getting anywhere? Should I give up? Maybe in your job or if you run your own business. Or maybe even in the church where you have a calling and a responsibility, we can have those moments when we're stretched beyond our normal capabilities and we see all our weaknesses and we see all our inadequacies and we feel stretched or we're being overworked. The expectations upon us are beyond what we believe we can bear and we feel like giving up. And we know we should carry on, but we feel like giving up. And I I think we wonder sometimes, am I... Uh, Should I keep going or am I flogging a dead horse? I mean, is this really going anywhere or am I just waiting for the breakthrough? You know, when you're in that moment, when you feel like, I don't know, is this really going anywhere? Am I getting anywhere? Is progress really being made or is this all a wasted effort? That's the moments that are most testing within our resolve and keeping going can be really challenging in those times. And I think, in actual fact, some people find this harder than others. I see a lot of posts on social media, especially in uh, the the times we live in at the moment with so much social distance. And I see a lot of posts about the difference between extroverts and introverts. Those people are quite happy not seeing anybody. This is my happy space. And those who are going, I'm craving for people. And definitely our society, our church is, is split into those who are extroverts and introverts. And I think way too much attention is played upon that polarity. I want to give you a different polarity. What about the difference between the ideas person and the one who finishes the job? The person who comes up with the bright idea, yes, we should do this. I can see it now. I've got the vision for it. And the person who sees it through to the end and gets the job finished. 
And people equally fall into those different categories. They're naturally a creative, inspiring, visionary person, but it's tougher getting to the end and keeping going. Or maybe you're not that sort of ideas person, but give me an idea, I'll run with it, I'll see it through to the very end. Well, I've learned across the course of my life that I am an ideas person. (laughs) And finishing the job is a harder thing for me. Let me take you on a brief tour of my house and show you an array of unfinished jobs. So uh, this is one unfinished job. So this is basically a cupboard that we've got above our stairs. And if, if you look down just between this gap here, you'll see this, this rail thing here. So this is a rail that we bought from Ikea, I don't know how many years ago, that was going to be a curtain that was going to go across this. That, that was... That was a job I was definitely going to get done. And then uh, this is Nick's old room. And when he lived here and was younger, um, he had a hamster. Um, And the hamster escaped and ate all this bit of carpet. So um, my job was to replace the carpet. Um, But what I did was put a bit of black tape down because that's just as good. Um, Yep. This is one of the latest uh, additions. So uh, Megan uh, kindly... Uh, painted our hallway um, but the job is left for me to finish this bit here because it involves going on a ladder um, now to be fair this is only a few weeks old and I haven't finished it yet but by my track record you've got to wonder when when will I finish it so this is lovely piano that I've got but in actual fact the piano is in front of a fireplace and the fireplace um, if you if you look down here is nicely covered up by a piece of cardboard because um, that's just as good as filling it in properly and no one gets to see it so that's kind of almost finished uh, and this is our kitchen so th- this is where the boiler was the boiler was replaced a number of years ago and put upstairs but obviously it exposed the old wallpaper underneath there so I promised Karen we'll get that wallpaper replaced um, that was probably about five years ago but the job will get finished at some point it's got to that point where I stopped noticing it, but probably people who walk in the house do notice it. And then while we're here, um, this probably doesn't look like an unfinished job because it's just a window, but, but the sun blasts through this when you're cooking in the daytime. And uh, I promised to put a blind up. Um, and we bought a blind for it, uh, but then the blind stayed in the corner of the other uh, room for so many years that it faded unevenly, so we had to throw the blind away. But I will get around to finishing that job someday. And so this, this is our downstairs toilet. So these taps, we had a dripping tap and um, it would always drip. And uh, and these taps were replaced. This job got finished. But probably because I paid a plumber to come in and do it. Um, but at least the job got finished. As you might see, I struggle to see things through to the end. Seeing it through to the end is hard for me. And so in so many areas of my life, when things are tough, the instinct within me to give up and move on to something different happens. But it doesn't really matter which way you're wired. We all have moments when we feel like giving up. And in those moments, we so need people cheering us on. People around us saying, keep going, keep going. Now, I've never run the marathon, but as I'm told, one of the most important things about the marathon is the crowd. The people around each street cheering you on. 
as I've heard, if you're running the marathon, get your name written on your on, on what you're wearing, and then any stranger sees your name and can call your name out. And so, Trevor, keep going. Hearing your name and someone saying keep going is an inspiration to push on through. Well, the word of God gives us inspiration to keep going as well, gives us encouraging words. The Apostle Paul spent a lot of his time writing letters, writing letters to other churches. And in the church in Philippi, he wrote a letter. And I want us to hear his words of encouragement to the Philippians saying, keep going, keep going. Let's have a listen to Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 11. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it's right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favour of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you'll keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. It's a great encouragement as Paul speaks to them and says, keep going. The main verse I want to focus our attention on is on verse 6. Hear it again. And I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. It's a great verse telling you to keep going. This is week one in our series, Our Confident Hope. And this week's message is being confident in the work of Jesus. Being confident, having a confidence that Jesus is at work and we can be confident in that. I want you to know we are all works in progress. We're all works in progress. We're not the finished article, but we can have confidence that God finishes what he begins. You know, when God is at work, he doesn't give up. He doesn't walk away. It's his project, his plan, his desire, his idea, his intention. He will finish what he starts. You know, God's house is not like my house, filled with unfinished jobs and good intentions. He is the creator, the ideas person. He's the builder, the one who does the work, and he is the finisher who completes and finishes the job. When you buy a a house, if you've ever bought a house that is brand new, not off of someone else, it's a brand new build, and you get the keys to that house, there's a thing called the snag list. And the snag list is the things that as you start to move in, you discover aren't quite right. 
that thing that was supposed to be screwed on the wall is missing a few screws and that light fitting's a little bit loose and that door's a little bit squeaky. Uh, and you build up a snag list of things that go, it isn't quite the f- finished perfect job yet. Well, that's not so with God. He is the perfecter, the perfecter and the finisher of our faith. This is how the book of Hebrews tells us this about God. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 2, we read this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Look into Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is what it tells us. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, look at all the people that have gone before you. God has been with them. He did not let go of them. He finished the job. He birthed salvation in you. You you were his idea. And you being saved and called into Christ was his idea. He birthed salvation within you. He sees it through to completion. He declares on the cross, it is finished. A finished work done. That is what Jesus declared. And and when we face these difficulties in life, know that Jesus faced the difficulties. He faced the hardship. What do we read? We read that... For the joy set before him, he endured. He endured the cross, despising the shame. He kept going through all the difficulties, the hardship, the shame, being rejected until the job was done. And still he could, until he could be on the cross with his arms stretched out, declaring, this is finished. And that's his nature. That's the nature of God. That's his character. He doesn't start something that he won't finish. He sees the job through. When I was preparing this sermon, I was reminded of a song that was sung in my childhood. Some of you might not have been around then and some of you may not know the song. But the words of the song said this, He didn't bring us this far to leave us. He didn't teach us to swim to let us drown. He didn't build his home in us to move away. He didn't lift us up to let us down and it's so true he doesn't start something he won't finish he says over you his work of salvation and when God's word goes out it doesn't just happen like oh we hope hope God gets his way when God speaks earth moves he spoke and creation came into being. Jesus spoke and wind and waved obeyed his voice. Isaiah tells us, it's the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. God says, I send my word out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. And this is true in so many areas. Think of where I started. Think of the big global challenges in our world. Racism, poverty, war and conflict. The big things in our life. It's in God's nature to see it through till the end, until the job is done. 
The big challenge is God is in it for the long haul. He doesn't give up. He hasn't given up. He will keep going. It's true. It's in his nature, in his church. Despite the failures in our church, in the churches around the world, in the history of the church, he doesn't give up. Despite the divisions and the the schisms that have happened over the years, God does not give up. Despite the church's shortcomings, God doesn't start something that he won't finish. And it's true for you as an individual. He has started a work in you. He is going to finish it. God has not finished with you. He's not finished with me. Let's just take a look again at this verse 6. Just see the words that are in there. He starts by saying, God who began. In some versions it says, he who began. He is God. God who began. The work that's going on within you, it was started by God. And when we feel those moments of doubt and we feel like giving up, we don't need self-confidence. We need God confidence. We don't need to build more confidence in ourselves. We need to cling more tightly to God. Those moments of self-doubt are opportunities for God confidence. When we realise the faults and failures in our life, when we realise our inadequacies, when we realise how up to the job we're not made for it, Those are opportunities for God's confidence to take root within us. He began this. It's his work. And often we keep trying to take over. We we keep trying to want to take God's job for him. You know, when, when God starts a job and he says he'll finish it, and then when we're in the midst of the construction work and we want to give up on it, it's a bit like the foreman on the building site finding the job too difficult and usurping the boss and going, we're down in tools. And the boss is going, hey, this is my project. This is my money. This is my idea. It's my design. We're going to get it done. And the foreman's going, oh, it's just too difficult. It's the wrong way round. The boss, the heavenly God of heavens is speaking and says, I'm not giving up. Let me tell you about this really personally for me. It's a really personal story, this, and, and a story that virtually nobody knows very few. It was in this January, January of 2020. I was deeply struggling, deeply struggling, struggling in my identity as the pastor of the church, struggling with my own belief in my abilities, struggling in my own estimation of how the church was going and what we'd managed to achieve and what we'd not managed to achieve and my own view of how things were going and my own view of my inability to do what I was, felt I was called to do, but felt incapable to do. And I was really struggling. And I spoke to pretty much nobody about it. I kind of alluded to Karen that I was having a tough time, but I didn't really open up. And inside myself, the, the, the inner monologue kept going on, which is, you're not good enough. You're not built for this. You're not going to be able to do it. You're the wrong person for the job. And as that inner monologue kept going round, the more I thought, I think it might be time to give up. I think it might be time for me to stop. And literally, moment by moment, I'd vacillate from God's got it. He's, this is just a season. This is a tough season and seasons come and go to, no, this is just you failing, Trevor. 
And I even constructed my own exit plan. I told nobody about it. But I started to think in my mind, how would I resign? Who would take over the church after me? How would I keep the church safe? I didn't want to drop the church in the lurch. I started playing the conversations in my mind with who I'd need to speak to in the leadership team and the trustees and how would I tell them that? And I wasn't telling anyone. And then in February, we had a leaders meeting and I went to go and say something about the season that we were in. And we were talking about some challenges that we perceived in the church. And as I went to speak, I went to lie. Well, I was lying to myself because I wanted to lead a thing and give everyone positivity in the room and say, hey guys, God's got this, we're going to get there. And as I went to, I could feel that that wasn't what I was feeling. And so I said to those who were in the leadership team at the time, I, th- I think um, I think Viv and Roz weren't well, so there wasn't all of us there, but those who were in the room, I said, I was just about to say that God's got this, but I've got to be honest with you, I, I don't feel that way. Let me tell you how I really feel. And as I went to speak about how I really felt, I broke down in tears. <laughs> those who are in the leadership team in the room probably will never forget it. Because everything that was pent up within me started to come out, all my self-doubt and all my belief that I couldn't make this. I started to open up. And even Karen was sitting there listening to it and I hadn't really told her everything about it as well. And some of our lowest moments when we feel like giving up, we keep to ourselves. You could be holding it right to yourself without telling anyone around you the thing that you feel like giving up on. Because you're frightened of letting others down. And I wanted to give up. And then, breakthrough occurred. One of the biggest breakthroughs was talking to others, receiving their encouragement. Another breakthrough was wise counsel. I met with a, a couple of leaders that I really respect outside the church and worked through something with them and they really helped speak life into me. But one of the most amazing things that happened was lockdown. (laughs) Because as we started to realise that the church needs to shift into this way of being church for this season, I felt like the right person in the right place at the right time. And I felt like I came alive. I remember actually texting with Roz, saying to her, I feel like I was made for this. This is the season I was made for. And only a few months before that, I was ready to jack it all in, to throw in the towel. And I want to say to you, at our lowest points, when we most want to give up, God is preparing us. Because I can see now what God did during those months of my lowness was he stripped me of all belief that I could make it happen. As I started to exit that feeling in, in around the, the February, end of February time, All my confidence was not because I'd been built up in my confidence. My confidence was in God. I looked and go, you know what, Trev? You're not experienced. You don't know what you're doing half the time. You haven't got this ability. You're not that great at this. But God is great. And so these moments at my lowest was preparing to strip off pride and to strip off self-reliance and to cling to God. So that when things like COVID happen and we all have to to readjust, I'm like, God, I want to hear your voice. What is it you're telling us to do? And I can cling to him. I heard this phrase, and I'm not sure it's always true, but I think it's true a lot of the time. You don't see the breakthrough until you see the breakdown. You don't see the breakthrough until you see the breakdown. And for me, it was a form of breakdown. It was a form of God breaking me down in order to see the breakthrough. You know, I want to tell you, if you feel like giving up, 
Turn that giving up feeling into a giving in feeling. Turn the giving up that says, I want to jack it in and give in instead. Say, God, I give in. Okay, God, have it your way. What is it you're doing, God? I'm totally and utterly dependent upon you because God is the one who began the work. And it says, God, who began the good work within you. You know, all these things that we wonder, should I just jack it in? Am I flogging a dead horse or do I keep going because Trevor told me God is at work? How do you know if God is at work? I want to give you a really simple test to know whether God is at work. If you see the beginning of something good, God is at work. If you see something good being produced, even in a small sense, it's a sign that God is at work. James 1, 17 tells us, whoever, uh, sorry, whatever is good and perfect, whatever is good and perfect, all those things that are good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shift in shadow. All good things come from God. It's only from God. And God who began a good work within you, he began a good work within you. And it's only got to be the beginning. It's only got to be the smallest fragment of seeing that God has started something because it's God who begins a good work within you. The book of Zechariah has this phrase that I've used so many times and others have, and it's a good one to cling to. Don't despise the days of small beginnings. That's in Zechariah 4.10. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. So often we overlook the small things. And God says, you know what? That's how I work. When Jesus came, he told a couple of parables. He said, the kingdom is like a mustard seed. It's the smallest of seeds and it grows into the most amazing tree. That's what he described his work, his kingdom like. He said it's like leaven in a, in a loaf. This, this massive um, batch of dough and a tiny bit of leaven. That's how the kingdom works. This is, this is God's trick. He starts with small things and he expands. And so let me tell you, if you're battling with yourself, with the same mistakes and the same habits and the same sins, and you see a breakthrough, even for a day, even for a day, and then you feel like you go backwards, God has started a good work. You'll make it. You'll make it. If you are struggling as a parent, whether they're babies or children or teenagers, there are good days. God is at work. You will make it. And if you're fighting an illness, battling with that, you'll make it. He has begun a good work. You know, the person you've been trying to reach for Jesus, you'll make it. And this job that you might be doing or this area where you feel stretched or overloaded, when you see that small beginning of God doing something, let me tell you, that's God at work, you'll make it. One of my favourite verses that I've committed to memory is in Galatians 6, verse 9, that says, Let us not grow tired of doing good, for in due season we will reap a reward if we do not give up. In due season, there is a due season coming. And even in this fight against racism that's been going on for so many years, so many hundreds of years, we'll make it. I'm confident we'll make it. Because God's begun a good work. 
And what he begins, he finishes. It began 2,000 years ago. When Jesus came and changed everything, it began there and it goes on for a long time. Here we are 2,000 years later. The battle's not over yet. But God doesn't start what he won't finish. And so I think that gives us a clue as well, even in that example, that sometimes we know it's not a quick job either. It's interesting that verse in verse 6 that we've looked at, that God who began a good work in you will bring it to completion until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. That's a long time. Do you know when Jesus is returning? No, neither do I. But it's not today. And it's probably not tomorrow. You know, some of this work that God works uh, are really quick. The moment between the small beginnings and the completion and the finished work can be very quick. Weeks, months, maybe even a lifetime. And some of it is generationally. I think that's what this tells us. Until it's finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. We've been just coming out of a series on generations, just thinking generationally. And the work that Christ is doing in you has ripples onwards. Don't give up. Don't give up even if what you are doing and what God is doing through you may not be even seen fully in your lifetime. Do not give up. You know, I don't think we saw Jesus finish the work that Martin Luther King started in his lifetime. But it has ripples still. He who began a good work through that man will bring it to completion. God works through people generationally as well. So it's not, let's broaden our perspective. It's not just what can God do in my life, but what can God do through my life that he will bring to completion. I want to draw to close by just thinking about another verse in this passage or another few verses about what is all this heading to? It's about the fruit of our salvation. And just let me just read to you um, verses 9, 10 and 11. This is what we read. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you'll keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. Let me just briefly talk about these verses. And I want, to, I want you to see there's a connection between verse 9, verse 10 and verse 11. And it's best saw if we look at them in reverse. Look at where we finish in verse 11. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. There's a righteous character being produced in your life. And it's produced not by you. It's not, this work is not your work, it's God's work. And it's, it's not produced by you, but it's produced by Jesus Christ. It's his project. It's his salvation. You're his work. Ephesians calls you his poem. His work of art, your masterpiece, or you know, you're his masterpiece. You know, at salvation, God planted a seed within you and it will yield fruit. No doubt. There's no doubt in God's mind. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. You didn't earn your salvation and you won't earn the fruit either. 
God will produce within you the fruit of your salvation. And then look at the verse that just came before that that connects to it. I want you to understand what really matters. We think often that what matters is our works, the good stuff we do, how we perform, our image, how others perceive us, the size of our bank balance or our bigger houses, or even how great our church is. He says in verse 10, I want you to know what really matters. What does really matter? What really matters? When it boils down to it, what really matters? Verse 9 tells us what really matters. It matters that your love will overflow. That's what matters. That our love will overflow. That we will grow in knowledge and understanding. Wow. Don't we need to grow in love? Just think about this this issue that I keep coming back to of racial injustice. Don't we need to grow in love? Don't we need to grow in love to our fellow human beings? How much knowledge and understanding have you gained in the last week? Wherever you fall in this story, in this narrative, in this challenge, how much have you grown this week? How much knowledge have you gained? And how much understanding have you gained? And how much love needs to grow within us? And if you feel like it won't happen, whether it's the big global issues of our planet or your personal issue that's so important to you, Whenever you feel like it won't happen, whenever you feel like you can't do it, whenever you feel like you want to give up, let me tell you, you can do this. Not because you can do it, but because he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Because If God is for you, then who can be against you? Because when I'm weak, his strength is made perfect in me. Because he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Don't give up. He is at work within you. Put your trust in the transforming work of Jesus in your life. And let his work of salvation increase your love, increase your knowledge, increase your understanding, go deeper with him and be more transformed into who Christ has intended you to be. I want to pray into that right now. Would you join with me in prayer? Just close your eyes. Lord, I submit myself to you. Lord, I'm sorry if I've tried to run this life, but it's your life, Lord. It's your work in my life. Lord, I want to submit to your hand. Lord, I thank you that you began a good work. I might see small fragments or bigger bits. It doesn't matter, Lord. You've begun a good work and you will bring it to completion. And Lord, I'm sorry when I've tried to give up. Felt like giving up and it wasn't mine to give up, Lord. You've not given up on me. And so, Lord, I pray. Oh, have your way. Have your way. Help me, Lord, to grow in love, the fruit of my salvation, the salvation that you place within us. Lord, help us to grow in love. Help us to grow, Lord, in knowledge. Knowledge of you. Knowledge of your kingdom. Knowledge of our brothers and our sisters. Lord, help us to grow in understanding, to go deeper. Lord, to understand other people to understand the pain of other people, to understand the prejudice of other people. Lord, to understand with your wisdom, God, we pray. 
work in our lives. We, we bow our knee to you. Have your way. In Jesus' name we ask this. Amen.